Go Birds Radio, presented by the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. Official sportsbook of the real Philly fan. What's going on? It's Elliot Shore Parks for my friends at Window Nation. And if you've had enough of your windows keeping the house chilly, then fight the February cold with Window Nation. Right now, replace your windows and save big with 50% off all window styles, plus zero down, zero interest, and no payments for 24 months. With proven quality and service, it's no wonder thousands have trusted Window Nation. Don't miss out. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com to schedule your free in-home estimate. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. WIP FM HD1 Philadelphia from the Tasty Cake Studios. This is BGN Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Oh, what's going on? Bleeding Green Nation. It is BGN Radio. It's 4 o'clock right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Glad you are with us for another Saturday, uh, well, almost night evening. Let's just say that. Hope that the uh, beers are out. The bourbon is uh, being cracked open. And uh, we're going to have a little bit of Eagles talk here. We're uh, in the middle of the July dead zone, but I can smell training camp. It's not too far away. I am John Barchard, joined by uh, from the EaglesWire.com, Mr. Teron Davenport. Teron, what's happening, buddy? Ooh, we just got to turn on your mic, pal. <laughs> it's been a while. See, Toronto, yeah, he needs the training camp, too. What's going no, on, man? The, the button's on. It just, you know, <laughs> the on was blue, so I, I don't know what happened. But, hey, man, I'm here, so that's that's all that matters. Oh, Jack, Jack Fritz just timed in and uh, fell on that grenade. It's his fault. Oh, it's not it's your fault, good. see? Hey, look, look, United, we fall. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's me and you. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, today, we figured we'd have... A little bit of fun, and uh, if you were uh, subscribing to the podcast at BGN underscore radio, we were going over a lot of sneaky needs, uh, or sneaky concerns, rather, heading into training camp, which we'll get into probably in the last hour, but we're going to flip that. We're going we're gonna to say, well, what should Eagles fans be more excited about heading into this training camp? Because I feel like we've nitpicked a lot of different things here, and we're going into uh, you know a couple of different spots where... Sure, I mean, you know, the offensive line and Jason Peters, that's one of mine. I'm already giving some stuff away here. But in your mind, Teron, who's the, what's the first thing that Eagles fans should be way more excited about heading into the season? I think it's just the the passing game, man. You got Carson Wentz coming back for another year. You, you got weapons now. I mean, they got receivers galore. So I think the whole mix of, of Alshon and, and Carson Wentz, I think that's something to be excited about. Also, the young defense. You know, you got guys who came in 
a Derek Barnett, man. It's I, I can't say how excited I am. I'm not even a fan, you, you know, <laughs> but I just can't wait to watch Derek Barnett play football because he is the best pass rusher in this draft class. So I would say the pass rush as well, the passing game. I think that's number one on my list. And I've, I've never seen uh, a, a number one draft pick overall just have such meh, like hype to it. It's just so weird. It's very just bland and no one's really getting pumped up. But I got to tell you guys, I mean, he is ready to rock and roll here. No there, there, there's not any questions about Derek Barnett and his ability, his pass rushing skills. And I know we've talked about that before, but really... That's the number one thing that I'm surprised. I think more people are excited about Alshon Jeffrey, and that's, listen, I, I understand a lot of that. There's no wide receivers here. Now the Eagles actually have a real one. But Derek Barnett is the real deal. And, uh, you know, he's not getting celebrated like Markel Fultz. He's not getting celebrated like a, a bunch of other draft picks that came in here. Heck, I, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm more, is it crazy that I'm more excited to see him and what he can do than Carson Wentz in his second year? That's how much I, I think people need to be excited about this guy. I don't think it's crazy because what is what is it that this defense has needed? What's the one aspect? They need a guy that can get to the quarterback. And, I mean, he just so happened to break Reggie White's college record. And we'll continue to beat that dead horse, but it is what it is. He broke that record, so that shows that he could get to the passer. He has that situational pass, pass rushing ability, and that's something that I talk to Emory Hunt a lot about, you know, just – he, he has that feel where he knows when it's absolutely necessary to get the sack, and he got it so many times for them at Tennessee. 888-729-9494 if you want to get in. Who should you be more excited about heading in to this Eagle season? I think Derek Barnett's a very obvious one. We've been through that already. I'm going to throw kind of a curveball because I think the second thing that Eagles fans need to be most excited about is Doug Peterson. And I know there's a, ugh, people are going, already, I can hear you. I can hear you going, what is this guy talking about? But it's true. I mean, if you look at the personnel that Doug Peterson was given and the ability to actually, like, create offense out of the weird dreck that was there with the rookie quarterback with, uh, you know, back and forth right tackles and switching guard positions and uh, a, a rotating carousel of wide receivers who may or may not be able to catch a ball. One who got cut before training camp even started and didn't even get a full offseason with his football team. A guy that, you know, was was creating offense with guys like Paul Turner and four different running backs behind there with no bell cows, with no anything, and still the ability to move the football. Now, they didn't score as many points as I think everybody would uh, uh, allow you to do. And, uh, by the way, also missing Zach Hurts for a good amount of time as and well. Hurt. So And hurt the entire time. So I, I think people need to be a little more excited about Doug and his ability to at least scheme and call plays. I know that the bigger picture stuff is still up in the air, but I'm really, really excited to see what Doug Peterson can do in the second year. Yeah, I think you're going to see a series of better play calls. I think they have the weapons that will allow some of the issues that they had, whether it be short yardage situations, you, you know, uh, third and short, fourth and goal, those type of things. Now that you have a guy like LeGarrette Blunt in the backfield, he's someone that can make those decisions that, Everyone says are sketchy. He can make those decisions look brilliant. You know, and you're going to see a guy go from, you know, dumb Doug to, you know, <laughs> like like Doug the gambler, the guy who, who takes the risk and, you know, he has uh, wavels, so to speak. You, yeah. You know, use the Spanish word. But <laughs> Bullocks. I, yeah. yeah. We can go around the world. <laughs> Last <Yeah>. ones. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I, I think that's what's good. And then just another year with, with Carson Wentz. And, and not to be underrated is what Coach Flip. You know, John D. Flippo, I remember when we had the open media availability 
and we talked about how they they throw what they call routes on air. Mm-hmm. When they have the corner in a certain position, you know, he, Carson Wentz and Alshon, they, they have something that they work on as far as the back shoulder throws and just always having that trust to throw the ball to Alshon even when he's covered. I think having that type of mentality and that guy that you could do that with, that's just going to make the passing game better. So you're going to see a lot of better things with Doug Peterson and the whole coaching staff is going to make them look a lot better. Jack Fritz behind the glass here and uh, also part of the BGN radio crew. Is that crazy to say maybe you should be a little more excited about Doug Peterson here? I don't think it's too crazy. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can do with actual talent. And I think this is the year that will differentiate between if he's the guy or if he's like, we'll know by the end of this year if he's the guy, if he's not the guy, just like Carson. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And I think that's, again, as, as much as we try to like separate the two, they're both going to be successful or they're not. I think they're tight at the hip there. I don't think there's anything that's that's in between. Let's go to George and Conchahawken, who's got one for us, too. George, what's going on, buddy? How are you this afternoon? Very good. Can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. Yeah, so I'm just excited for a receiver that can uh, actually catch a football and a running back <laughs> that can convert a third and short. So <laughs> Yes, exactly. Wait, I mean, anything in particular? I know it's obviously, Alshon, are you a little excited for, for Torrey Smith and having somewhat of a deep threat here? I mean, I mean, yeah, I'm not expecting much from like Tory Smith, but I just like someone that can like be a decoy on on the, on your 50 yard go route and just. Yeah, I'm not expecting much, but if you can do like one, one or two a game, more power to him. Yeah, that, exactly. So it's it's really nice. And and do you do you agree though uh, with uh, with with Doug Peterson at all? Is you think there's maybe a little bit uh, too much criticism that's happened here? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. For Doug Peterson, thing like the thing. My, I go back to that first Giants game where he went to like, where, like fourth and short, like in the red zone two or three times, and they failed. They just like it was a good decision, just bad play calling, and feeling like having like Eric Blunt this year. You can't think don't get those like fourth and shorts. Hey, absolutely, George. Thanks for the call, buddy. We really appreciate it. And that's what you know. To, to your point, that's basically I think what George was saying there too. And that, like, yeah, I mean, like the aggressiveness with the personnel that they have now is man. That's it. I, I really want to see that. Plus. I don't even know if he got into most of his playbook last year. I really don't. I mean, you're you're keeping it down for a rookie quarterback. Um, obviously, I, I'm going to pound it, it, it home until we understand that DGB was not that smart of a guy, and <laughs> along with the intelligence being or uh, the ability not being there as well. So, I just don't think that there was much he could do last year. Yeah, there were certain ways that that team was hamstrung uh, as far as offensively. There were certain ways they were hamstrung because of some of the personnel issues. I tell you, if you look at and me, for the most part, I was in agreement with most of the things that Doug Peterson did. The one that I, I did have a disagreement with was the Dallas game. Yeah, that was pretty on, bad. On the fourth and short where they, you know, kicked it out to Sproles. And you have Jason Kelsey who's dealing with the, with the injured foot. His requirement, you know, his assignment was to get to the outside and seal off one of the <laughs> best <laughs> laterally pursuit. Yeah type of uh, linebackers and Sean Lee and, and obviously, you know, the play got blown up. Sean Lee, you know, turnover on Dallas. But for the most part, you you saw a good amount of the playbook. I, I think just in, in looking at what Frank Reich said uh, also, he said that they have about 20 to 30 concepts that they're going to pretty much work with and those are the ones that Carson is most comfortable with. So I like that. But I think really the, the whole thing that, that I'm excited about with that also is just the comfort, comfort factor mm-hmm. where now Carson is more comfortable with the game itself. He said it's starting to slow down. And now you start to see him be able to use his ability to kind of freelance, you know, and, and you saw it in camp 
where they were working some of the, the QB scramble drills. And you remember the throw that he unleashed to Alshon all the way down the field. So these are the type of things I'm excited about also because you're going to see more ad-libbing. You're going to see more creativity coming from the quarterback himself. People get open. Imagine that during a scramble drill. Never seen that before. What's that like? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's a huge part of, uh, of of a lot of that that's heading in there. As we go to Dan in uh, Phoenixville, who's hanging out with us this afternoon. Dan, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, guys. Great show, always. Uh, excited about training camp coming up. So we, but, we, can, uh, we can actually smell it. It's in front of us. We can, uh, you know, close. get out of, out of this July yeah. dead zone here. As, yeah. as, as, as hot as the Phillies are right now, let's uh, <laughs> move on to something else. Anyway. <laughs> uh, what I'm excited to see more than anything else is if Doug Peterson learned the uh, 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 ability to pick up his game against division teams. Last year, the game against Dallas was, was obvious that uh, – um, he just didn't have that, that extra gear to kick into to do whatever it takes to, to beat the Cowboys. And, uh, you know, Jason Garrett did. He went on his fake punts. He, he did whatever it took to, to beat the Eagles because he saw what a division game is like. Well, yeah, um, to, and to feel confident in it, too. And, see, I know just like Teron was saying, people are going to point to that swing pass. But two plays before, if you're having Josh Huff try to throw one down the field for a touchdown, like... <laughs> Man, oh man, you're trying to generate literally anything and stopping the momentum against the Cowboys. I find that more egregious than that one, but yeah, exactly, Dan. It was just it was just a bad I mean, game all around. But the fourth down where he didn't try the field goal, he tried to play it safe. Um, okay, he screwed up that play with that where he lost six yards, but he was still in field goal range. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, what do I got to do to beat these guys? He's saying, what am I going to do not to lose to these guys? And that's just something he's got to learn in the NFC I don't know if he was really saying what do I have to do to not to lose because I mean I, I think going for it on I I agree with the decision to go for it yeah right because that shows confidence in your guys I just don't necessarily agree with the play call itself and that's really what the problem was in my book I respect the coach that's going to try to really stomp on a team's neck when they have them down and that's what he did in trying to go for it instead of kicking that field goal no no, no I think he 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 punted instead of kicking the field goal. Uh, when they, oh, uh, you're talking uh, about that? Okay, pardon yeah. me. I thought you were talking about the uh, the, the, the Sproles. But yeah, yeah. There's no no, no reason no not to go to it. Right, exactly, Dan. No, you're right there. Though, the punt was, in my opinion, was wrong. Otherwise, besides that, just having uh, some tools in the red zone this year is really looking up for us. Absolutely, that's uh, going to make a big difference. Absolutely, Dan. Great call on that too. And it's just you know, and again, that's you know, think of all the different things that we've kind of run through to have like that red zone threat or red zone threats that are through there for a long time. It was going to be Zach Ertz and he wasn't completely reliable. And I understand the whole, you know, not having a, the proper QB along there with him too. You could throw a fade route to Riley Cooper. You could throw a fade route. To, you know, it's just kind of the list gets just down and down and down. And now you have, you have a big guy in Alshon. You have an, another big guy in Marcus Johnson, by the way, who we're going to talk to at four thirty, And hopefully, uh, you know, he's bumped his way up since DGB's departure and, We'll talk to him a lot about how uh, how it was in North Dakota and Bison Burgers and a whole bunch of other stuff as he's coming up in about 15 minutes here. But they actually have legitimate things to throw to and hand off to in the red zone. So if you want to throw LeGarrette Blunt and and Sproles out there and you have Sproles spread out and spread out the field and just go here, you go, LeGarrette, get, get, uh, get that yard and a half touchdown that we desperately need. I just think that there's... Way more options for them to do, especially down in the red zone, especially in tight yardage situations. I'm going to tell you what else, too. And he's a forgotten man, but Wendell Smallwood 
is mm-hmm. a very capable player. Now, I'm not saying he's a feature back. Don't go putting words in my mouth, folks. But I am saying that. I'm going to put it on Twitter right now. Actually. <laughs> I am saying, though, you know, coming out of the backfield, running that Texas route combination where you have Zach Ertz run the seam and he runs that angle route underneath. Yeah, obviously Darren Sproles, Danell Pumphrey are the guys that you would really love to have that happen. But when they're in the game, that's expected. So now you have a different angle, a different way that you could approach the red zone because Wendell Smallwood is a very capable pass catcher. You know, he did it very well at West Virginia. So I think that's something else to look at. Red zone is going to be a lot more exciting because you also have Alshon. And now Absolutely. Alshon is a guy where you could throw it up there, and he may not always come down with the catch, but rest assured, it won't get intercepted. But then also, <laughs> you have a very good chance of him drawing the pass interference. Oh, now you got yeah. the ball at the one-yard line, and you got that dump truck in the backfield named LeGarrette Brunt that you could just allow to, to get you that one yard. Not to mention, like, just the attention alone that that will take. It's just your first step is always going to be to where Alshon is, and all of a sudden, maybe the middle of the field opens up. And, yeah, that, the Texas rally reminds me of just – Everything that Brian Westbrook pretty much ran mm-hmm. the entire time in his career through here is yeah. just like not there, not there. Oh, there's Brian right there in the middle of the field. Bang, and then you can go and and that can work out with a with a dip uh, a bunch of different you know ponies that they have in the backfield now. Even though that you know I don't I don't exactly know what to happen. I would I would assume that there's going to be you know two maybe three one hundred yard carriers depending on how they kind of separate everybody and do everything and. I'm still a little bit worried about that, and we'll get into that at the 5 o'clock hour. But uh, for now, I think they have some really, really interesting weapons. The third guy on my list to run, Razul Douglas. I think we need to get a little more pumped up. I already have two rookies on the list, and I haven't seen them play a snap of NFL football. But I got to tell you, he just has it. He's going to get beaten some parts. There, you know, There's going to be learning curves definitely in the first eight weeks of the season and maybe even more. He's just got it. Like the mentality of it, the way he... His hips are so fluid. I love his arm work. Razul Douglas is going to be a cornerstone, and that's the craziest thing. And maybe what well, maybe Sidney Jones will come up throughout this broadcast too. But if you have those two guys as cornerstones moving forward, man, oh man, the the we can finally put to bed the seven years of heartbreak of the secondary and not having corners. I'm all in on Razul Douglas. Just after uh, shorts and pads here, man. I'm going to tell you this, you know, I, I've been a big advocate of, of Sewell for quite some time, you know, but I tell you what really, really opened my eyes. And that was during the practice where you saw Alshon get the little, uh, you know, he mossed him. Mm-hmm. But in that type of situation, you're either going to back down or, or you're going to show that you have grit. And, a few series later, he he dominated. He had like two or three pass breakups in that series. So that's what I like. That's what you need to have as a corner. You have to have that short-term memory. You have to have that ability to bounce back, and he did bounce back. And I love the way that he was so willing to take on – I mean, granted, it's, it's practice, all right? It's yeah. practice, but I, I'm still AI saying – voice, practice, yeah. <laughs> it, it just comes naturally, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I, I'm saying, though, you know, for him to be willing to, to take on that challenge of, of, of taking on Alshon – one-on-one on an island without help as many times as he did, that's only going to make him better. And that's something that Alshon told us. He said that, you know, him going against Sewell is going to make Sewell better. It's also going to make him better because of how big he is. The other thing I like about him is just the aggressive mindset. He wants to get his hands on receivers, and that's something that, that you got to have when they, they want you to, to go up and, and challenge the guys to disrupt the timing so the guys up front could get in and, you know, pressure the quarterback. I like that the ball skills are there, too. 
eight interceptions. He told me he was going for the, <laughs> the Pottstown's finest, Aaron Beasley's record uh-huh. at West Virginia, double digits, 11. But, uh, you know, just eight interceptions, that's that's really good. And he played off the ball. They let him come up and, and, and you know, use his anticipation skills. So he's a total package. We just want to have to be careful with, with how things happen as far as him getting beat in routes. So that's going to take away, and I'm talking about deep routes, it's yeah. going to take some of the, the, the safety assignments, you know, from being able to come down and help out as much. You know, you're going to have to roam center field a little bit more. So it'll put a little more pressure on uh, Malcolm Jenkins and Rodney McLeod. But I, I think it's going to give you good results. It, yeah, and I think they're up to the test for it, too. And it's just like, you know, along with Alshon, I mean, it's Torrey Smith was in there for maybe a week. He didn't know anybody's name. Standing there talking to all of us in the locker but room. But he, he knew Rasul's name. That rookie, he's like, Rasul Douglas. Yeah. He's going to be good. Real good. Real quick, too. And I was like, oh, man. Well, that's not going to slow me down at all. So we'll get into more of it. And we want to hear from you, too. Who should we be more excited about? Heading into this Eagle season. This BJ and Radio, John Barcher, Toronto Davenport, Jack Fritz behind the glass right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. This is BG and Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Eagles wide receiver Marcus Johnson will join us uh, right around 4.30. We'll chat with him as he's just returned from eating bison burgers and hanging out in North Dakota on the lake. Not too many vacation destinations that go, yeah, let's go to North Dakota and hang out. But it's glad to see uh, the bonding that's going in there. It's uh, BGN Radio right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. And do you know that uh, how many, I, well, here's here's my over-under of how many reporters ask every single wide receiver, mostly Alshon Jeffrey, because that was the hot topic <laughs> towards OTAs, over-under seven times the question that is asked, uh, how is your relationship with Carson Wentz now after this? bonding experience oh yeah you know that's always the question you have to ask <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what that's what the people want to know are you taking the over at seven i yeah i would take the over at seven yeah that's it probably a- probably gets nauseating uh by uh by the third or fourth day of, of training camp that's happening out there so uh I, I don't know how much value is in is in that do you think in just kind of getting everybody together sure uh, as a bonding experience how much does that actually help a team grow though I think it helps the team grow a lot. And just having done that in past years with my quarterbacks in college, you know, it helps the quarterback really understand how you run routes. It helps him understand your speed and and how to project the ball at different times. Now, obviously, because of adrenaline, it changes a little bit in game day, but it gives you a better uh, idea and a better feel for how things will flow as far as the routes and, and, and everything like that in the passing game. I really like doing it also just, you know, because it just gives you an opportunity as a receiver. The more times you could catch a football, the better. So any opportunity you can, especially from the guy who's going to be throwing the ball to you, any opportunity you get, you have to take advantage of it. And then just even in routes, the more times you could run that route, the the better you'll be able to run that route, so to speak. So that's that's always important. You, you need to create that muscle memory and also just make it like second nature. So that's why it's really important. Another thing that Carson Wentz. He talked about it actually, I think earlier this week, he had said it. You know, he talked about just the trust that, that you're able to build and the camaraderie and how that helps break down walls and you understand each other's learning ability. And so now it's easier to communicate and easier to teach each other different ways that you could do a particular thing better. Yeah, I like this. I like that. It's kind of just that, you know, overall repetition that uh, comes wrong here. And we'll have to uh, ask uh, Marcus that in a little bit here when he comes on. But, uh, in the meantime, speaking of wide receivers, and I know this is 
This is uh, one of those pools that, man, we shouldn't probably really jump into because it's OTAs, even though he's been looking a little better. But uh, I think people need to be a little more excited about Nelson Aguilar's progress. Not his overall game. Not to say that he's going to have a breakout year and have a 1,000 yards and be this incredible thing. And I'm a- I'm actually not sure what where they're going to put him uh, if uh, Jordan Matthews is is here. And I don't know if it's going to be a rotation to him and Torrey Smith on the outside. But I think people need to be a little more excited about Nelson Aguilar, at least from a progress standpoint, the mentality standpoint. He just looks a lot different, and it should be, you know, exciting and ready to rock and roll here. Yeah, I, I think it's it's definitely exciting, just the different bounce that he has, the confidence that he has, and the way he catches the football. Now, not a lot of fans can't really see that because, unfortunately, they don't have access to the practices like we do. But wait until the open practices. You're going to see him catch the ball a lot more naturally, and it just – when you, he just plays with more confidence, mm-hmm. and with confidence comes everything. So, and we're going to talk a little bit confidence <laughs> with, with a guy that, that whose confidence is building. Definitely enjoyed it. Absolutely, Eagles wide receiver Marcus Johnson on the line with us. Marcus, how are you this afternoon, man? Thanks for taking some time with us. Absolutely, I'm great. How y'all doing today? I was actually just watching you uh, rap uh, a little bit through. I think it was your Instagram or something like that. So, what you do? <laughs> so you do through doing your off season, man? You're trying to get those reps down too. Oh, man. Hey, Freestyle Friday. Man. That's right. <laughs> what do you say? From the grind. Just, just a little hobby on the side. Nice. That was just, the that's slow the... flow is unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? Uh, so how was it in North Dakota, man? I mean, uh, as we were just talking about, it's normally not the, the biggest summer, you know, vacation destination, but it looked like you guys had a really good bonding experience out there. Man, we really did. You know, Carson did a great job of setting everything up. Uh, you know, Fargo is a nice hometown feel. Uh, you know, born in Texas, you know, you, you get that hometown feel from it, that country feel. So, you know, it was relatable in that sense. And the people out there were great, man, great people out there in Fargo. And like I said, he just, he set everything up. You know, we worked out. We got some good work in. Alshon brought his personal trainer. So, you know, we were able to get work on the field and in the weight room. And, you know, we were efficient with our time for sure. Yeah, I saw you guys getting that work in the weight room. Definitely, no doubt about that. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you just as far as spending this time together with, with Carson and, and with the other receivers, but specifically with Carson and running the routes, how much does that help during the season when you guys are, are together in battle? Man, it's huge. And, you know, I, I always tell people chemistry is a tricky thing. It's one of those things where you have so many moving parts. You know, the, the playbook is constantly changing and revolving. You know, coaches want different things run different ways. And that, you know, that, that can disrupt the chemistry that you have with the quarterback. But when we, we, we go out there in Fargo and we just continue to work on our base, uh, our base routes, our base rules, and we build on that, you know, you build from the ground up and you build that foundation during this time, during this, this summer offseason time, you know, you really can go back to that and you can just, going into training camp, you have a much better feel um, with with your QB, with Carson, and we all do. So, uh, you know, it, it's great to get that opportunity to do it. We don't take it lightly or for granted, and we go out there and we just we continue to work on that and build on it. And speaking of, uh, you know, opportunities, you know, DGB, unfortunately, uh, was released, and that might open the door for you to kind of slide in there. And I don't know, how did that whole situation make you feel? Because I know when you're bonding with these guys, you're trying to work out with them, everybody's trying to improve what was the mood like for you when you got the news that, you know, DGB's not going to be with the team anymore? Man, you know it's tough. We all have love for each other. Uh, it's been a great a great camaraderie between the whole receiving group. Coach Groh has done a great job of 
uh, you know, building that comp- competitive spirit between each and every one of, of one of us, but as well having that family feel to it. So, you know, it hurts when things like that happens. It's, it's a part of the business. You, you learn that when you when you get in, and you you learn it, you know, fairly quick. So that was unfortunate that it happened, uh, but we continue to just, you know, go with what we have. We wish him the best of luck moving forward. Uh, and, you know, it's not too much that I can speak on about it from a, a, a business aspect or the coach's aspect or whatever it may have been for, for why it may have happened. But like you said, it's an opportunity. And, you know, it's something that it, it's a blessed situation for me to be able to uh, just, you know, have an opportunity to step up, get more reps in, and uh, take advantage of the opportunity at hand. And that's what I'm working toward, and that's what I'm preparing for. So, Marcus, in, in the time that I've watched you as a receiver, you know, I see a guy who, who is complete. I mean, I, your hands are consistent. You run good routes. You know how to use your body to, to get position. I don't think that you, as, as an athlete, you, you as a football player, is, is sold enough. So... For the fans who haven't really gotten to see you play, I mean, what is it do you feel has the coaches as excited about you as they are? Uh, to be honest, you know, being that I'm going into a second year with the Eagles and with the organization, and you know, it's another year in the playbook, an opportunity to get familiar with everything. And, you know, I can go out there and play comfortable now. You know, my head's not spinning. I'm not getting so caught up in, uh, you know, what play, what play we have, all the responsibilities, reading the coverages, how to adjust my routes. You know, you get to go out there and you get to play a little more relaxed. And the coaches have done a great job of setting up practice to where we get so many more reps, whether you're with the ones, the twos, the threes, et cetera, you know, they, they, they've done a great job with us getting consistent reps, so that helps as well. But uh, I agree with you. I feel like my athleticism and the, and the athlete that I am, as well as the football player that I am, uh, sometimes it's undermined and it's not really spoken about, and that's fine. You know, I've, I, I truly pride myself on just going to work every day, uh, building on it. And I just feel like, you know, you're, you're getting a complete player in Marcus Johnson. Uh, you're getting somebody who's going to uh, push his teammates, everyone around him. Um, and, and, and more and more than anything, you know, I've really just been crafting, working on my craft, building on, uh, building on everything from last season. Uh, from being on practice squad and just understanding the actual offense. And I really pride myself on the, the work that I've put in for my routes uh, and, 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 you know, just being a consistent pass catcher. And I truly believe that the coaches can fit me in wherever they, you know, wherever they feel. And the offense is great in itself because it doesn't matter what position you play. You know, you're all over the place. So you can be labeled as an X receiver and outside receiver and line up at the slot consistently mm-hmm. and be moving moving around. But like I said, the, the offense has so many moving parts to it. So uh, I've really just been working on my craft, man. That's what that's what it comes down to at this point. We're at the highest level. Uh, it's a blessing to be in this NFL league. But like I tell people, getting here isn't, isn't the part. It's, it's building and, and having that mindset of wanting to be great and preparing to be to be such. So... That's what I'm doing, and I'm, I'm continually pushing myself, continually trying to find ways to be creative and just be the best receiver that I can be and continue to help this team win and progress. Yeah, I love the way Coach Peterson, Coach Grow, Coach Reich, they, they have you guys cross-training where you have to know all positions. That, that's great because it gives each and every one of you guys an opportunity to step up when, when necessary. And we're, we're talking to Marcus Johnson, wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles. And Marcus, one of the things that you mentioned was about settling in and about being comfortable, you know, finding that level of comfort within this offense. One of the guys here, a rookie this year, Shelton Gibson, he had obviously some problems catching the football. The media made a a lot to do about it. 
I personally don't think is a big issue. But how much does the settling in and finding that level of comfortability, how much does that influence doing something as basic as catching the football? I mean, it's huge. You know, and, and to be honest, I remember my, you know, just last year being a rookie, uh, obviously undrafted, so it's a little more pressure behind it. But, you know, like I said, your head's spinning. You line up and, you know, being in the huddle, everything's spoken so fast. You can you can review your plays all day, but it's, it's a totally different speed from looking at your plays and having it at your own play, pace to when you get in that huddle and the quarterback shoots out everything at once and then it's ready <laughs> break and you're out here. Yeah. So people don't understand, you know, you, you have to be locked in. And sometimes you can be so focused on one aspect of your game, and that may be, you know, knowing your plays or, uh, you know, I have this route, so let me line up and see what adjustments I might need to ba- make based on this coverage. And then you can, do, you can do everything right, and you forget that, oh, well, you know, I, I need to make this play. I need to make this catch, whether it's contested or not. And, you know, it, it may sound cliche, you know, it may be hard for people to understand, but when you think about so many other things and you mm-hmm. com- you prepare for so many other things, which in your mind are, you know, the most complicated aspect of the game, you know, you forget to prepare for something so simple as catching, you know, and, and, and sometimes that happens to a lot of guys. Uh, and, and, and for Shelton's case, he'll settle down, he'll settle in, uh, he'll be a playmaker, he'll be a, you know, a guy that progresses in training camp and and then everybody you know, can uh, retweet all the bad takes about Shelton Gibson and everybody will look very stupid so that's what we're looking exactly. for exactly <laughs> and, that, and, and that's what his goal is as well so yeah absolutely you know, he, he just he just got here and you know they, they're giving him a hard time but he'll definitely uh, step up during training camp and you know get some time to settle in a little better uh, Marcus Johnson from uh, the Eagles uh, wide receiver uh, last thing as we're going out here just. I, you know, you mentioned playbook and things like that, but just from a team standpoint overall, coming into this offseason, what's been uh, the, the main differences, I guess, for you in terms of, does it feel different? Does it, you know, is there a little more excitement? Is it a little more comfortable around there? What's what's it going on uh, right now? You know, definitely excitement because second year uh, with Coach Peterson, the entire team as well, and, uh, you know, we have most of the guys back. And to be honest, I feel like the biggest thing that's really helped push the push out, you know, our entire feel of the game and going forward into this next season uh, has really been how competitive everything is. When you look at it from top to bottom, all over the place, uh, you know, guys that were drafted, guys that were brought in in free agency, uh, the guys that we already had, you know, it's a great group of guys from top to bottom. And it's just been so comp- competitive, and I can definitely speak on that for the receiver room. Mm. And, uh, you know, that levels everybody up. That makes everybody step their game up. Uh, everybody's approach to each practice and each day uh, has felt different. And I feel like we're all bringing our A game. We're all coming out, which, you know, we always do. But some things you, you can't really get out of yourself until you have somebody around you who's really pushing that out of you uh, to just level up and step their game up. And that's come especially in the receiver room from Coach Grove and as well as the depth that we have right now. Excellent. Well, we're really excited to, uh, you know, to see a lot of that competition come out. And actually, we appreciate the tour from, I believe, from your car to your garage into your house. So you did it. You did it all, man. I love it. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marcus. I didn't think y'all caught that. <laughs> Marcus, we really appreciate the time, man. We're rooting for you and good luck to you this uh, for training camp. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate all that. All right, thanks, all right, thanks Marcus. Marcus. See you soon. Uh, just a fantastic kid, man. I mean, just the it's it's very easy to root for, and 
obviously, for those in the know, uh, right in the lead with the Nob Brown award-winning capabilities. We'll get back to it. Uh, it is BGN Radio right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. This is BGN Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. So I wonder if we are getting maybe a little too excited about Torrey Smith and what his ability is to do for this football team. Because there seems to be some conjecture back and forth. I'm going back and forth with my good friend Julian Cantor at the Berryman on the Twitter.com. You can find us there at John Barchard at uh, T Davenport underscore NFL for Tehran and at Jack Fritz underscore 30. No, is it the other way around? Jack underscore Fritz. <laughs> Just tell tell the people. Jack real quick. underscore Fritz. 34. <laughs> 34. Oh, okay. There it is. All of us on uh, Twitter here. Now, th- there's an over under that our good friend Stephen Lee, who's a big uh, uh, Patreon subscriber of. The BGN Radio podcast, you can find us there at BGN underscore radio. Give me an over-under of 750 yards for Torrey Smith. I feel like that's, first of all, that's a pretty mm. good number. And I, I'm, I'm going to gamble and just say slightly over 750 is probably right around where his wheelhouse is. Because I'm thinking in my head, you got to make 10 big plays a year. You think Torrey Smith can make 10 big plays a year, or is that is there too much... Is he going to be the true number two, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to figure out. I don't think they're going to have a true number two. Uh, I think they're going to have a bunch of guys and J-Matt, Torrey, Aguilar. But getting back to, and, and also Ertz, you know, you have to factor him in. But I, I would actually take the under, and that's not to say that he won't have an impact. But when you have a guy that you could put on the outside, and the thing about Torrey is he has that deceptive speed because he's a strider. Right, And when you watch him run, you don't realize how fast he's going. Yeah. So then when you actually see that speed live, it's a different story. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think you're going to see Torrey have an effect a little bit later in, in games when it's a team that, you know, they initially, a, a matchup that he's initially getting. So really what, what you're going to have with him is just he's going to stretch the field. I don't think stat-wise he's going to have that impact, but he's going to be that guy. that they're gonna, You're going to see Carson take a couple of deep shots to, let's say, you know, you got that man coverage because you got the covers rotating over top to, to Alshon. You're going to see them signal to Torrey to, to run that fade route, and, and they're going to let it go. Yeah, and it's, it gets a little interesting now because we all just suspected, like, all right, somebody's going to move from here. Maybe it's maybe it's Nelson. You know, oh, they'll, they'll just cut him. At least that was the mentality before OTA started. And then Jordan Matthews wasn't really there. It, it, you, you might be right here, Toronto. There might just be six wide receivers and Alshon's going to be on the field all the time. And depending on what happens around, it might be just two uh, two different running backs in a, in a tight end. Or just like, I, I don't actually know how many times that they are going to have three wide receiver sets now that it's going through here. Unless that's something that Doug wants. You know, I, I, I as much as we tried to get and go like, all right, he's going to be, he's probably going to run more 12 personnel. Or maybe they run 22 a lot more. Or it's just, you know, all of that's going to spread out. I don't know how many times they're going to be. Maybe they'll just be in a in a three wide receiver set most of the year. Now that they have the the ability to put those guys out there, I think they'll be in three receiver sets plenty. And here's the thing that's really interesting: that three receiver set can include Donnell Pumphrey mm-hmm. in the slot. It can include Zach Ertz lining up outside and Alshon in a slot. They want to go big, and that's that. Marcus actually, Marcus Johnson talked about that. Just how. They all have to cross train. So you have to know X, Z, F. You have to know Y, you know, when you're flexed. You have to know everything. 
So that's going to be interesting to see. But you're also going to get those packages where they have Humphrey and Sproles in the game as well. So you're going to see an assortment of things. And, and, and the good thing about that is that gives opposing defenses that much more to study up on. And you'll see more and more get expanded upon as, as the year goes on. So I, I would say they're going to, their base for the most part is going to be a three receiver formation where you, you have Alshon and, and, and Torrey. And then you'll have uh, Jordan Matthews in the slot, and maybe you know, they'll th- take it from there. Maybe throw a little Nelson in there, too, and just oh, get him rotated. Oh, you're going to see Nelson in the slot. Mm-hmm. Believe that. I like the rotation of, of that idea. If Jordan Matthews is still here, you have, it just depending on the matchup and what they're throwing out there, whether in dime or nickel, or it's just kind of whatever kind of look that they're giving, that could be really, really interesting. So I'm going to stay with 750. I think, I think I'll take the slight over on that, just okay. because... Feeling a little optimistic. I think he'll make some bigger plays this year and he'll bounce back. Let's go to Dan in Pottstown. Dan, what's going on, buddy? You're on BGN Radio. What's going on, my fellow uh, uh, Green Beaters? Hey, listen. <laughs> I, think, I think out of all these receivers that um that uh, we have on this roster right now, Troy Smith, he's, I, I've been saying this since he signed him. I don't think he's the most talented. Like, I don't think he's a better receiver than Alshon Jeffrey. I do think he has the the, the most vested interest in being in Philadelphia for long term, and I'm going to tell you why. His wife is from the Northtown area. Okay, mm-hmm. so he, that, yeah, 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 on the main line. So there, there, there's no, there's no place like home. We learned that for the time. You know what I mean? Where we can walk and talk. You know what I mean? Home is where you know what I mean. You want your family to be there. So I think he's going to come in here this year with a vengeance, and I think he's, he's going to shock the world. I'm going over. I'm saying a thousand yards. Wow, man! I tell you what, then we would be—I <laughs> think we'd be in hog heaven uh, if that were the case. And and that's the thing I don't know either. And maybe we'll we'll kind of try to answer that after the break too, because we don't know where is Alshon Jeffrey in the wide receiving spectrum of in the NFL. I want you to think about that. We'll get back to it. Plus, all your questions: eight 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 seven two nine ninety four ninety four. John Barcher, Teron Davenport, Mister Jack Fritz behind the glass. And it's right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. 94 WIP FM HD1 Philadelphia. From the Tasty Cake Studios. This is BGN Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. So we're doing a lot of things today. We're trying to get you excited about training camp and things that are coming up for the Eagles here. Because there's about five or six things that we're trying to go over to might be a little underrated we'll get into the overrated maybe portion of the program in this hour as well 888-729-9494 it's bgn radio john barcher toron davenport jack fritz behind the glass here and we were just trying to figure out as we were going into the break i've heard a lot of different things about tory smith some people think he's going to be right around you know he's a 600 yard receiver he's a 700 yard wide receiver you heard our friend dan from Pottstown. Dropping the hammer and saying, home is where the soul is, and he's going to have over a 1,000 yards, and that would be uh, be insane. Uh, not not if it happened, that'd be great, but I just don't see that mm. happening. And, uh, you know, home for the soul stuff is, I think, is pretty pretty overrated, too, as we saw with Jeremy Macklin going, going quote-unquote, home to, to Kansas City there. Uh, and, well, yeah, Jack brings up a good point, too, except for Mike Trout. That's, that's, home is definitely where the soul is with him. He's a season ticket holder, you know? Uh, please come here, Mike Trout. But um, I, I, you know, we're, I, I'm trying to figure out where exactly people expect Alshon Jeffrey to be this yeah. season because there are a lot of fantasy guys who I've noticed, and take that for what it's worth, 
who don't really like him as a player. I've seen some people go as far as saying, I'm not drafting him no matter what round it is, which I think is nuts. That's crazy. Uh, but where does he stand for you? I, I view him I view him as a top 15 wide receiver in this league, and I think that's pretty pretty good. There's not too many guys that I'd take over. Yeah, I, I would say top 15 easily. I put him top 10, to Ooh. be honest. You know, when, when you look at the board, I mean, obviously you, you got the, the five, you know, Adele Beckham Jr., Antonio Brown. You, you got Julio Jones. You definitely have to, you know, account for them. And so after those three, I, I think it really becomes, okay, what, what's your flavor? Because Mike Evans is another one you have to put in there. Yeah, no, I, you know, I'm Jordy Nelson all day. also. And, and I, I don't care what anyone says. Jordy Nelson is a top five receiver in this league because he could do everything. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so, not. Ta- I would no. I don't think that's too high. Is there? I I'd be shocked if there's anybody that would want Alshon Jeffrey over Jordy Nelson. Right. I'd be shocked. Now, I put Alshon right in that mix of, of five to ten. I mean, T. Y. Hilton is a different type of player. He impacts the game differently, but he's in the mix. You know, you, you got to look at a guy like Amari Cooper. You know, um, like I said on the break, you know, I, I I personally I like angry Doug Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that, that I think that's just my my fondness for my guy Steve Smith Jr. coming sure. out, I, a senior. Excuse me, Steve. My bad. Agent eighty nine. Um, <laughs> I, I just I, I like those type of players, so I will put him in there. Um, it, it gets tough after that, and, and so that's why I would say Alshon is a top ten. Mm, I yeah. See, I don't know if I'm even taking, and, and I know he's going into second year. I'm not. I'm not sure if I'm taking Michael Thomas. Uh, over him, I, no. I, I'm I, see. I'd probably lean yes. I'd probably take Brandon Cooks too. Sorry, Cooks is Cook, Cooks. There's an argument that could be made for Brandon Cooks, but again, it goes back to the same thing we talked about with Ty Hilton. There's a different type of player there. Mm-hmm. You know, Alshon is that, and, and the thing I like about Alshon is he has that Debo. You, you know, when he's on the field, corners they have to put their chains away. They take their watch off. You know, because oh yeah. He will. That's his ball. Yeah, that's 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 my ball. You know, that's yeah. my ball, Pump. Yeah, and that's what he, you get with him. He gets uh, well, and that's that's what I love about him. No matter what, no matter what kind of things that where we try and find a spot for him here, um, he is. I've never seen somebody so upset about someone trying to cover him. Like, how dare you? You know, it's that kind of mentality which I absolutely love. Yeah, I, and I don't know, like. Forgot about AJ Green. Too. Yeah, oh yeah, AJ. AJ's got to be up there. Jarvis Landry, something like that. Like Jarvis, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. I think I put him in that. That range, like I th- and and maybe that is more towards ten than it is fifteen, and I know that gets really really minuscule as we're having an off season discussion here, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I just think that overall, Alshon Jeffrey nationally, and I would even say so much so as the fan base is underrating this guy in the terms of impact and what he's going to have here. So I think I think I'll add that to my list, even though there are a lot of Eagles fans that have been excited. It's the obvious thing that we're supposed to be, but. I think you got to get a little more excited with uh, with Alshon Jeffrey here. Let's go to our good friend at Not My Real Emails, also known as John from Portland. John, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Hey, man, I'm doing great, and uh, don't worry, I'm going to take James out for some beers tomorrow. Okay, so good, good. I'm taking care of him out uh, here. Yeah, we forgot to mention James Seltzer's in Portland right now with you, uh, hanging out. He's been sending me pictures of uh, you know the the imagery, and hopefully you guys can uh, can hang out and have a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, anyways, I was going to just chime in. I know there's a lot of wide receiver talk today on the show. And, I mean, you, know, you think back to how effective Shady was. Part of the reason he's so effective is you had Deshaun Jackson mm, extremely stretching the field, Macklin underneath. You know, he had an effective tight end. And so, you know, you couldn't stack the box. 
I really don't know what you're going to do base personnel against the Eagles because you can't bring a bunch towards the line. And most of the time, you know, you have LeGarrette Blunt back there. You know, you mix that up with the tiny guys with Pumphrey and Sproles. You know, I think there's just no one area that a defense can key on and shut the Eagles down anymore. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, I think one of the aspects of Deshaun Jackson's game that is just criminally underrated is how much he dictates what defenses are, are going to do against mm-hmm. him. So that's a, that's that's an awesome point. Now, I, I will be very clear, Torrey Smith is not the deep threat that Deshaun is, but that speed on the outside just has a factor. So you're going to see things open up underneath. Great point there. Yeah. Yeah, and John, too, and uh, and thanks for the uh, call, buddy. We'll see you on the podcast, and you can follow us there at BGN underscore radio. That's one of the things I forgot to mention when we were talking about all those kind of different looks when you're saying, like, you know, Pumphrey and Sproles can be on the same same uh, field yeah. at the same time. And I, I think they even get a little more trickier. I think they'd have one of those, both of those guys split out on the outside with a wide receiver in the backfield. And then, you know, yeah. you kind of motion one in and out. And, uh, you know, that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm getting a little more excited about Doug's scheme here, because there's... There's a lot of different playmakers like running backs, like everything else you can't really key on. And if they're implementing all that different stuff, too, it's going to be real fun this year. Yeah, it goes back to the creativity on offense. And that's one of the things we saw last year, just the different packages that Peterson put in in order to get the ball to Josh Huff. You know, easy catches to help this guy's confidence, but also take advantage of his ability to run with the ball in the open field. You're going to see that with Pumphrey. I don't know about right away, but as we get – more into the season, you're going to see that you saw how they motion. They had they had Sproles and and uh, Pumphrey in the backfield at the same time. Motion Pumphrey mm-hmm. out to uh, you know to the slot, and that creates that that makes a linebacker. And talking to G Cobb, I remember uh, when they we were together when they first did that, and he was like, "Man, look, I, I tell you what, I wouldn't want to bump outside." And, so, and that's, as a linebacker, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you never shy away from a matchup, but you're like, "Dang, I'm not really trying to cover this little." That's that show so shifty. So you create those matchup problems, and that's something that Peterson is really going to have to work on doing is creating the favorable matchups. And then the thing that's 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 so good about the whole thing is is when all the attention starts to focus on on Pumphrey. You know, they start going to you know their nickel package. You could also mix it up, and you could have uh, uh, Legarrette Blunt and Pumphrey on the field at the same time. Absolutely, motion Pumphrey, and now you just hammer bang it inside. Spread everybody so out and just options. let them go. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, and that's that's the good thing about that. Which which you saw little bits and pieces of last year. Like except it was Trey Burton instead of, you know, any one of those guys that was coming through there. And to your point, if they if somebody ends up wasting a corner on Pumphrey or Sproles or whoever in that situation, or there's just mass confusion during that time, like absolutely. There's so many different things that I think this offense can do that as long as oh, as I put my hands together and pray. That Carson is takes that step forward in that second year. They're gonna. Th- th- this could be maybe a top offense in the league. Well, yeah, but that's and, where I'm at. And see, here's here's the thing that's that's so underrated about all of this: running the football more effectively, right? So we talked about creating the matchups. We talked about getting a guy like Pumphrey in there. When you have these guys in the game, what ends up happening is teams go from base to their nickel package. It's a lot easier to run on nickel. Mm-hmm. Right, so Always. that's only going to help Carson Wentz. It's all about simplifying the game for him. As we said in the beginning, Reich is working, or the Reich said that they have twenty to thirty pass concepts that they are going to pretty much work with. So you, you have a good uh, amount of, of that comfort level. 
uh, with Carson Wentz. I think he's going to be able to take that next step. But for me, taking that next step isn't throwing 40 touchdowns and, and 4,000 yards. For me, taking that next step is using your eyes to, to help your guys get open. And instead of some of the things that he did in, in minicamp where you saw him stare down a receiver. To me, Carson Wentz taking that next step, as Coach D. Filippo talked about, was the situational awareness. Knowing when to throw the ball away. Mm-hmm. Knowing when, you know what, I got to step out of bounds instead of taking that hit. That, those are the things that, that are going to help Carson Wentz as a quarterback. And also, I mean, third down situations. They have to improve. Not all of the third down situations, you know, the failures were on Carson Wentz. There were plenty of times where they had penalties you know, false starts or, or what have you, and they were stuck in third and longs. If they could, as a team, get in better shape on on first down, you know, and second down, so that way when you get to third down, it's a, a, a situation where guys aren't able to just pin their ears back and rush the passer. They don't know, okay, receivers, it's, it's third and 10. They're going to run a, a 10 to 12-yard route. We're just going to sit on, on, on top of the sticks and, and let them run that route, but – they're not going to catch the ball for the exactly, first time. Right. So those are the things that have to happen, and I think Carson could take the next step in that side of things, not statistically, but just as far as understanding and orchestrating the offense. Yeah, and that's, a, I mean, like, honestly, I think we should all be happy if it's, you know, a, a 25 and 13 type of year, a 25 and 10, some, something where it's just not, you know, where there's a, there's an ultimate kind of, just like you're saying, like th- those factors, when it's not statistically, uh, you know, a, a huge factor going in there, but doing those things a little different. And I know it's kind of a curse word in this town ever since Chip Kelly left, but I really do think with the personnel and the running backs and everybody that's in here, if there was a little more tempo to this offense where it was not not no huddle, but, you know, trying to get there and, and using those, uh, maybe even a, a drive here and a drive off, a drive here and a drive off, something just to kind of mix it up and do some things. I think the tempo part of what we're just all talking about with with motion and everything else that's happening around here, I think that could be a, a huge advantage for Doug. And really, that helps Carson. It seems like he's, uh, you know, having him do rollouts and having him just be, uh, you know, constantly on the move seems to be more the strength to, the, to his game. And I hope, and it just, everything here caters to that. Mm-hmm. So I hope that they kind of have at least, you know, maybe 40% of the time, 30% of the time, whatever it is, that they're kind of pushing the tempo in some some regards here. Yeah, that's a good point, tempo. And I, one of the things that I really like early in, in Carson's career, you know, his rookie season last year, the Chicago game, they came out in tempo. That thing was rolling, you know, and, and uh, although they didn't score a whole lot of points, you still saw a quarterback settle in. And you ask any quarterback, they tell you, they like to get in that rhythm, you know, where, where it's all right. Get the ball, pop, 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 throw, pop, 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 throw. You, you know, those are the type of things that they like to to do. I mean, all these passers, they're they're rhythmic guys. So when you could get them in that tempo and get in and out of the huddle and and, and go and go and go, those are are the things that will work. And it, it goes back to that confidence, that feel, that comfort level. Any athlete in whatever sport they're playing, if you could get them in, in that type of zone, they're going to give you success. Absolutely. And we've been talking about you know. Things that are supposed to make you a little more excited getting into the season. I'm going to name one man who's very popular in this town. You, you either love him or kind of hate him at this point in time. There are not enough people excited about Fletcher Cox in Fletch. the second year in this season. In this in this system, I should say. With Timmy Jernigan lining up right next to him with all the other different pass rushes they have. With just you know an insurmountable amount of depth now, which is but, crazy to say. But well, he does get double-digit sacks. <laughs> well, just give him time. I'm going to say it right now. 
I think he will have double-digit sacks this year. I think he's going to creep into that nine and a half, ten range. I really like. I'm getting on the train, man. I, I think this is this is where he quote unquote really breaks out after signing that massive deal. I'm really excited to see Fletcher Cox this year. Even if he doesn't get double-digit sacks, I don't think that minimizes what he does on Mm-mm, the not at football all. field. If I could, I would create a new stat called just disruptions. Because that's what he does, whether it be against the screen game. There you Look go, at, PFF. Steal that one from Thrun for free. <laughs> Nothing's free now. Come on, come on stop that. <laughs> but no, nah, seriously, though, if if you look at the Steelers game, one of the plays that really made me become, I don't want to say a fan, but really just appreciate Fletcher Cox as a player, they ran a screen. And you saw Fletcher Cox get, because, you know, on the screen, they allow the defensive lineman to, to come in and get that pressure because they're just going to drop it over top of him to the running back. Well, Fletch got the pressure. He sensed it. He turned around. And we're not talking about, you know, a little dude. We're talking about 330-plus, 6'3", whatever he is. Turned around and caught the running back from behind, and he was the first person to the running back. Mm-hmm. Not not Nigel Bradham, who was always near the ball, or Jordan Hicks. We know what he does. Fletcher Cox was the first one to the ball. So it's not always about getting sacks. It's about the effort that you put forth on the field, the way that you blow up plays. And how many times have you seen him in the backfield, you know, tackling the running back as soon as he, he gets the, the, the handoff? How many times do you see him getting that pressure on the quarterback and he flushes outside and Vinnie Curry or, or Brandon Graham or, or whoever gets the sack? That's the thing that you have to measure for a, a defensive tackle. And I know he's a $100 million man or, or whatever, but I don't know why people it, care about that so much. It, it, they I, I guess, do, though. It, but that's the like, thing. They say, oh, well, I can't pay $100 million to a guy that doesn't get sacked. But look that's at GM's, how. That's the GM's fault. That's not his fault. He's worth it. Yeah. That's my whole point. He's worth it. And you don't measure just solely by sacks. You have to measure by the way he just controls the game for you, how he changes the game, and he makes guys around him better. And that's why one of my guys that I think is someone that you should be excited about okay. is none other than that guy that they got lining up next to him, Jim Timmy Jernigan. Man, know? oh, man. I, I think he's someone <laughs> to be excited about. Yes, here. sir. And, and we, you're going to be excited. Wait till you see him in camp and just the energy he brings. You saw it on, on just helmet and, and oh, shorts yeah. and shirts. But wait until you see him in full gear. That guy brings it every snap. So there's going to be a, a good thing having that guy in a, a scheme that finally fits him. Timmy Jernigan, get excited about him. He is the guy that I said in, in one of my articles recently. I said, don't be surprised if he has more sacks than Fletcher Cox. That does not mean he's more impactful. Just but don't be, more focus, He's right? going to eat because Fletcher's yeah. going to. Man, look, you can't block Fletcher one on one. You go you ahead and do both that. of those guys well, at the same time. You're either. gonna have to. You can't double right. all of them, right? So it's pick your poison. And and me personally, I I would double team Fletcher before Jernigan. Not a slight on Jernigan, but he's gonna see all the single the one on one matchups, one on one matchups, and he'll win those. And see, I'm I am excited, but I'm still in the back of my head, like, all right, <laughs> this is. This is where I'm still just a little bit skeptical. And listen, trust me, I saw it up close to for the first time and been mm-hmm. like, wow, okay, yeah. The, I I understand now about the violent hands. And then I went back and watched but, all the yeah. Ravens games, and I said, wow, okay, yeah, it really is there. And I get what everybody's saying. And then towards that latter half of the season when you're just going like, all right, that motor's slowing down a little bit more. And, that, and it could be a different factor of things, too. Could be just, you know, they were taking some more of the snaps away from him this past year. They He wasn't exactly in the right system. And we've heard that before with a couple of different players that we're going into here. 
I'm just not completely sold that he's going to be the guy. I think he's I think he's going to be really good. I don't know if he's going to out outdo Fletch at some point. I think he's going to win wise. early sack wise. I think he's going to do it early. I'm just not sure that he's going to be here next year, and that could just be come down to price range and he's good, not great, and maybe they want to keep those things together. I don't really know, and that's what I'm saying. If they're not going to, if they weren't willing to kind of pay Benny Logan ten million dollars or whatever it is. I'm not sure he's going to be able to fit in, but I'm still excited by the combination, at least early on in the season here. Two things. You mentioned the motor, and that's 100% valid. I, I, I agree that there were times late in the year where that motor was not there as much as you want it to be. But here's the thing. He's not too gapping. You're not yeah, he's constantly not on. Yeah. going against you know two offensive linemen, which is tiring. So that's one thing to consider. Other thing to consider is Jim Schwartz likes to have a rotation of guys. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Destiny V out. You know, Destiny, I they keep sleeping on Destiny could play. Put him on the list, Teron. Put him on the list. Destiny could play. Yeah. But then at, at the same time, you know, you got G- Gabe Wright who came in, but another guy that, that you know, talking to Chuck Smith, a guy who trained Jernigan, who trained Marcus Smith, who trained Derek Barnett. He said, man, Elijah Qualls is going to be a problem in camp, and he's going to blow stuff up. So Some people forget you, about that, too. You have a rotation. And then not to mention that their, their NASCAR package. You you see Vinnie Curry bumping inside and playing some D-tap. So they have a rotation. He's going to be fresh on each play. But then it's just you got that carrot dangling in front of him, mm-hmm. you know, that, that big contract. You know, and then now, now, hey, look, <laughs> money talks, that other stuff walks. Yeah. You know? We like the kind of jingles, but rather the kind of folks. That's right. <laughs> hey, can but, I? You, you know, you have you had that character. That good. Then, Sorry. He good, he good. <laughs> but you, you have that. But then also, in addition to that, I mean, he's in a scheme that allows him to get upfield, allows him to showcase what he could do. And it's just, it, it's different. The mindset is, is different, I, I think, for him. Yeah, and I, again, I think it's a, I think I thought it was a great deal. I mean, you're just, you're just swapping picks to go grab a guy that f- completely fits your system. That's a better pass rusher than Benny Logan ever was. So, uh, I, I hope that you are right in all those projections, and we should get a little excited, and we'll keep that going as well, as it is uh, BGN Radio. We're coming right back, right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. This is BGN Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. So, uh, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but yes, once again, the Washington football team is, of course, the dumbest franchise that might be run in the NFL. I can't believe that the Redskins are actually going to let Cousins play on the tag again. If you're going to do this, trade him. Because congratulations to San Francisco. You got the quarterback you wanted by waiting just a year. And that now, now the uh, <laughs> the C.J. Beathard in the third round makes it a, a, a little less uh, head-scratching. <laughs> but at the same time, I can't believe this, Teron. I cannot believe... That Washington is just going to stand pat on this thing. He's going to have seven, eight, nine different teams to go to because they can't tag him again. But he's going to end up in San Francisco because that's really what he wants to be. I mean, they can turn around and put a smiley face on this thing all they want. Cousins definitely doesn't want to be here. Otherwise, he would have signed a contract. And Pro Football Talk comes out and says, Dan Snyder and the ownership group, the guys that aren't supposedly, that don't have a drinking problem, 
are the ones that are making the decision saying, yeah, we just don't want to give him a long-term deal. Now, in the long run, sure, I don't think Cousins should be right. a long-term deal. So I have to give him a little credit for that. But they have no quarterback next year. And if you're not going to have a quarterback next year and you're not going to have Cousins there, trade him to San Francisco. Sign and trade. Do a sign and trade where you guys can agree upon it. Two first-round picks would be ridiculous. They obviously don't want to do that. Why is Washington doing this? I, I, it's baffling me. There were three things that they could have done. They could have traded him. They could have signed him. Or they could have done what they're doing now. Yes. They did the worst. What did they say in Dumb and Dumber? Just when I thought you couldn't. <laughs> yeah, just when you, I thought you couldn't. Yeah, you, you <laughs> didn't do, something, do anything any dumber. You go, go and, and do, do this. this and totally <laughs> redeem yourself. And that's how they kind of high-five in there. I, I don't get it how you could just sit on that. I understand not signing him because, look, I'm not a Kirk Cousins guy. But at the same time, knowing, knowing what's in San Francisco and knowing how badly they need a quarterback, mm -hmm. why not make the deal? Or just literally with anybody. It doesn't have to be with San Francisco. I'm sure the Jets would go, all right, we're interested. St. Louis, okay. Maybe we'd be interested. Well, I don't know. Which they they're they're, they're the down Rams, with golf and they're, <laughs> I, but, but they're still they're married to Jared Goff for a couple of years. <laughs> maybe but, maybe before that, but any time before that happens in the last year, this year with what whatever is going on, and I don't know what you're doing. Like I'm not a big Gruden fan either, but you're also like taking away the thing that he's worked on for the past three years now of trying to implement a system, have all these different you know good weapons that are there now. Drafted a pretty good offensive line. Now you're going into the season. We're like, well, this is pretty much it. You have to win the Super Bowl, or you got to start all over again. Yeah, and and with, with Cousins, see, and that's the 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 thing that's so quirky about Kirk Cousins. He's not good enough to get you to the Super Bowl, but he's not bad enough to keep you out of playoff contention. So this whole you know process type of thing that some of these teams, like the Jets, are considering embracing, where they suck for Sam, the Redskins can't do that. No. You know, what are they going to do, bench Cousins and, and, and bring Colt in McCoy. Uh, Colt McCoy? <laughs> no, you're not going to see that. So they just they they did the worst of, of the three things that they could have done with this situation. I don't have a clue what's going on there. I, I think Scott McLuhan, they were, things were, were heading in the right direction mm -hmm. with, with Scotty Mack there. Whatever happened, happened. But, hey, I mean, look, that's a good thing for the Eagles because this is going to be one less thing that they have to be concerned about in the future when you have – a young guy like a Carson Wentz that you could grow and mold this team around. Guess who's back? Back again. Snyder. Tell the friend. <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm just blown away by by that entire situation. And then it got us thinking. I was like, all right, well, what's the NFC East look like? Mm -hmm. And I know that obviously we probably know where this is going to end up at the end of the day here. We're but, about to make some people mad, man. Yeah, but I don't – I think – I think Eli Manning right now is probably the. As tar, I'm going to qualify this in terms of what where they are right now and what it is in the future. Right. I'd put Eli Manning as fourth. I think the Giants have the worst the, well, quarterback no, actually, situation. With what's going on right now, I take that back. I'm going to put Cousins there and Washington there because he's probably not going to be there long term. So I would say Washington has the worst quarterback situation going into this because they don't really have any help. In the back end there, unless they are, what is Nate Settlefield still on the squad? Oh, there you go. The so, worm killer. Yeah, there it is. So if you want to you want to write, write him uh, all the way there, I think you could try and do that. Then I'll put Eli and their situation and the Giants moving forward there 
Do you agree with that? They're probably in the bottom two in this NFC East, despite yeah. the win totals and the defense helping out the Giants and all that. Yeah, I put them in the bottom two, and it's crazy because Eli is in the bottom two, but he has arguably the the, the best receiver core. I, I like obviously Odell beat right. Mars, yeah, but the addition of Evan Ingram will help also. But I, I would agree with you. I, I would have those two at the bottom. Um, man, I, I I would hate to be a GM of either team to be honest with you because you know. That there's no light at the end of the tunnel for either team right now. So, yeah, I, I, Eli said what he could play four or five more years. I, I don't know well, if he could if I was a not... GM if I would want him to do that. Right. But, you know, and I think that they're. I mean, makes sense with the moves and what they have there. I think that they're. They think they're closer than they are. You know, you, uh, otherwise you wouldn't put Brandon Marshall in there. You wouldn't. I, well, they didn't fix their offensive line either. So I don't. I don't know what they're doing. It's kind of. It's kind of a crazy little thing that they have there. Wayne Gallman is there to kind of just be a guy, I guess. I don't really understand. I think Gallman would be good in that be okay. for the running game. But you're right, the offensive line, there's problems there. Yeah, which he needs. You know? that's, that's what I mean. He's yeah. kind of like, if you're going to draft him, yeah, man. And I know it wasn't a great year for, for offensive line depth and things like that, but that's, uh, that's kind of a head scratcher for me. But now we get to the <laughs> – this is where we always end up. I think both of us are going to say the same thing, though. I'm putting Carson Wentz too. I'm putting Dak Prescott number one right now. Yeah, I mean, and in you, terms you have of going to, you forward, have to though, factor, I don't know. Like you, you one A, one B. Yeah, you yeah. have to factor all things into the equation, right? And, and, and when I say that, I'm talking about the situation that that they're in. I, I think the Cowboys offensively are in a better place than than the Eagles are right now. But then at the same time, when I I I think Dak Prescott right now is is a better quarterback. Uh, right now, I, I think if you look back at both of their rookie years, Dak had the, had the better year. And okay, yeah, you know they had the the best offensive line in football. <laughs> they, they had Ezekiel Elliott. But still, when you look, and we kind of talked about this off the air, the the way that Prescott made that team better is getting them in and out of the huddle, getting them to the line of scrimmage, and making the right calls, getting them in the right situations. And once he made that call, and he was asked to throw the football. He was always on the money. That, well, not always, that, but when when they needed to be, yeah, yeah. He was more times on the money than he wasn't. You right, know, right. we could definitely say that. And obviously, Wentz, there's there's a lot of promise. There's a lot to like about Carson Wentz. I don't don't get me wrong. I think that he has a very bright future. But right now, if I had to compare the two situations, I would take Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys offense over. Carson Wentz and the Eagles offense. But at the end of the year, that could change because look at the things that the Eagles did in order to eliminate that gap between, that between yeah. the two. So it's going to be an interesting situation. Right now, I go Dak one, Wentz two, uh, Cousins three, and, and Eli. Eli there at the bottom. Yeah, I think that's, and that's, that's the hardest thing I have with this is I, I don't really know. It's so hard to. When I get into debates with all this stuff, too, and, geez, draft Twitter just drives me nuts sometimes. <laughs> but, like, I, you know, w there are so, so many stat-heavy arguments when it comes to a lot of this. And, of course, like, Dak Prescott's going to win all of those. He had a better, he had a better year. It's, it's, it's so crazy to me how people just, that, that's it. And they're, everybody's spiking the football on both sides of this thing. And I know we've been over this a couple of times, but, like, man, oh, man. And, and to your point, if somebody actually had said, you know, I think Dak is, is coming through here with the preseason in mind. And, man, like that, I think that's what helped him get so comfortable behind all of that stuff, too. Yeah. It's just like he had the yeah. entire preseason, and then he essentially knew that he was going to be the starter coming into this thing. 
and just really rolled and did it. And I think his floor was even a little higher, and just people kind of missed out on that. I don't know. I don't know what his ceiling is going to be. I, I really don't know what Wentz's ceiling is either. But I still think that at the end of the day, uh, some of the takes that have been going on all summer will be a little bit ridiculous. You this, know, I just I, on both sides, by the way. John, yeah. here, here's what confuses me. Why can't you think that both of them are good players? Well, because it's Eagles Cowboys. Right. That's, but, that's, but that's, I, I that's the easiest that. question I, to answer. I, I understand <laughs> that. But, you know, what happened to just uh, taking something for what it is? You, you know, no, he is. That's what no, I'm saying. No, no, one, no one liked Deion Sanders, but, you know, here, but pretty much everybody said yeah. he was the best corner in football. And I'm, listen, don't at me and say, oh, he's comparing Dak Prescott to Deion. No, I'm not doing that. I'm just saying, why can't you? I'm not saying you have to like him. But why can't you just acknowledge that both of these guys are good players? And this is a great situation. This is awesome. A great situation because now you you have you have that you you know that Joker to your Batman. You, you know what I mean? You have that <laughs> villain and that hero. And, and I think that's a great situation and that makes for for great football. Coincidentally, you know these are teams that that are, are going to be head and head. They're in the best situation when it comes to competing for the NFC East title. So. You got two rookies, uh, two second-year quarterbacks leading them. I mean, I think it's great for football, great for Philadelphia as well. Oh, that's why, I th yeah, like, it's listen, it's fun to, even even the Giants ri rivalry. Like, it's so much fun to have the Eagles completely dominate them, but at the same time, you're right. If if both of these guys are phenomenal, and you have that rivalry every single year where they're basically competing for the, the division title, they're competing for a playoff spot, I think I want that more than Dak Prescott to suck. <laughs> or Carson Wentz the second, or, or or whatever it is, you know, just like I really think that uh, putting them both together at the the highest levels possible are so much fun. So I'll mark that. Get a little excited, a little more excited for a, a, a hopefully like a ten year rivalry here, which is going to just be all over Sunday night football, Monday night football. I want both quarterbacks to succeed to succeed just on that alone. To have that kind of hype going into every single one of those things, the trash talking is going to be phenomenal. Yeah, you want both guys to be really, really good. What's what's the the best setting you could think of? I, I'm not talking about playoffs and, and and all of that, but what's the best setting you could think of at the link? Oh, that that, that alone, absolutely. Right. Week sixteen, M Monday. Or let's just let's just hypothetically say it was a Monday night football matchup. Sure, between Carson Wentz and the whatever and whatever Philadelphia Eagles <laughs> and Dak Prescott and the whatever and whatever Dallas Cowboys for. The, a matchup that will have division, the division title. title. Week 17, yeah, like in a just nice and cold, maybe a little snowy. You're pulling up to the ball to the Mike Tarico baseball. Yeah, yeah. You're pulling up to the to the stadium, you you know, and just the electricity that that you feel. That can't happen if Dak Prescott is no good. That can't happen if Carson is no good. These are the moments that that you remember. That's what you want to carry on. Well, when you look back on the season, so I, I mean, I, I just I, I think it would be ideal for both teams to be competitive. Absolutely, but I also kind of wish that you know if, <laughs> if Dak Prescott really just fails on his butt and the Cowboys would have no quarterback for the next five years, I'd be okay with that too. I'm not saying I'm not. More uh, BGN Radio will close things out, lead uh, you uh, right up to leading off, and that's with me coming up right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. This is BGN Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Segment of BGN Radio, John Bartram, Teron Davenport, Jack Fritz all hanging out with you. Leading you right up to uh, leading off 
Little Phillies extra tonight at 710. It's got me thinking, too, as we're we're going through all these expectations and getting through for uh, training camp and everything with the Eagles. Torrent, what's something in your mind that you think Eagles fans have automatically just kind of checked off and be like, well, that's definitely going to happen. That might not happen because mine, and it still has been, I don't think Jason Peters is going to play 16 games. I don't even think he's going to play 14. I'm going to be happy Jason Peters plays 11 games because I don't think he's going to finish an entire season. And I think that th- throws some things into the wrenches. As much as we've been focused on, well, just look at Lane Johnson and look at Carson Wentz's splits when Lane Johnson is and isn't on there. It's dramatically different. Lane Johnson's fine. And I'm I'm not really worried about him dipping into the, the PEDs again this year. But I don't think, I don't think Jordan... Or excuse me, I don't think uh, Jason Peters is going to make it 16 games. I don't even think he's going to make it 12. I think that's uh, that's a legitimate prediction. You know, yeah. If, if it were me, if I had to pick something, I would say don't automatically assume Alshon Jeffrey is going to have 10 touchdowns. Yeah, I think that, that's, that would be my prediction. Would you say it would be? You should we not assume that he'll automatically have 1,100 yards? I think that's a safe, if he's healthy. safe assumption also. Yeah, I that he'll be under? Safe, I, think, I, think it's a safe, I think it's safe to say he, he won't have over 1,100 yards. I, I think that's safe to say. But that's not to say he won't. If he does that, he didn't have an, an, an effective season. Because, again, there's more to it than stats. A lot, a lot of mouths to feed, too, statistically, a lot, probably. A lot, hey, and you got guys playing a contract. Hey, Jordan Matthews is playing for, for a contract, too. So it's Carson's going to have something uh, really against him. Not against him, but he's going to have something really in front of him where he, he has a lot of mouths to feed. And our good friend Johnny Page, who were, uh, re, uh, excuse me, writes for the site at bleedgreennation.com, which you can check out all our content, including our podcast, which you're listening to the radio version of right now, at BGN underscore radio, is doing all these projection modules uh, through Excel and things like that. And he just says, like, even at their best, even if Jeffrey at his best, Gets 1,219 yards on the season, which is like, you know, top targets, top receptions, career, Carson's throws, all that stuff. Uh, at least Jordan Matthews at under 400 yards. So you start to think about that, too. It's just like, all right, so even if it's a little lower and that's, that's, that climbs more towards like 500 yards, 600 yards for Jordan Matthews, I really don't know what he's going to expect, what an agent is going to expect, and what the Eagles are going to you know, pay for him. I don't think Jordan Matthews comes anywhere close to 1,000 yards this year. I don't think he's this low, but I don't think he's close to 1,000 yards. I think he's 7, 8 at most, if they, depending on how everybody's going to get used here. I think he's the guy that you could look at that over under 750 yards for. I think he would be the guy to look at it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Jack Fritz, you got a, uh, you got a thing where maybe we've checked off something this Eagle season. It's like... This is definitely going to happen, and it might not. Yeah, I think uh, LeGarrette Blunt. I think people are just 100% assuming he's going to be great. And I think he's going to be great, but I have one concern, and that's that he's coming off of a Super Bowl. He's never been a great culture guy. He's on a, he's, he's, he has the weight clause already, which I don't, oh, the think, weight clause, that's right. I don't think he's even fat. The way I read that was that they're trying to control him a little bit and make sure he's in shape, ready to, be, ready to go. And if not... Then they're they're not going like, to. I'm not 100 confident in him just being workhorse, giving the ball, do everything, and that. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so either. I, I think he's the furthest thing from workhorse this year. I think. It's, I think it's he's pure, had 130 it's, carries. It's, it's committee, man. It's committee, and, and uh, I'm telling you, uh, Wendell, uh, watch out for him. <laughs> the, the wheat with the worm. That's that's his uh, his Instagram. But yeah, watch out for Wendell Small. Well, yeah, and that's why they have all these kind of 
kind of different guys going in the, in through here. I mean, it's it's the reason why they kept adding on to you know the running backs, even though they they, dra- they drafted Pumphrey, and they're like, all right, well, let's go get Legarrett, and and this is how it's going to be. I don't know if that ever works though. Like, when is the last time a running back by committee, other than you know the Eagles when it worked here with Deuce, all those other guys, that it's been constantly year in and year out successful? Like, I never see that happen anymore. Man, um, it's been a while. I mean, they did it I in Kansas City, and it was okay for a year. They did they tried it, it in Dallas, and it was bad. You know, right. I, I think it, it's really uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I'll say that. It's just too bad Ryan Matthews can't stay healthy. Man, yeah, because he's he's a really good running back, man. I think that was probably one of the biggest disappointments of just everything. I remember him coming. I mean, for the money that they got him in there too, it's just like, all right, there's injury history, and that is still, you know, honestly, just up in the air. They're waiting for his neck to get better, yeah. and then they're kind of. And I don't know if that's stopping them from making a, another trade or moves or anything else that's happening through there. But yeah, I mean, it's post. June 1st, and unfortunately, yeah, I mean, like, he is, when San Diego took him, that was the, I, I still think that was the right call. I mean, Jesus, he was. Remember, they took him, and they pushed LT out the, out right, the door. Right, yeah, yeah, A right future away. Hall of Famer. We told know? him to go to the Jets. They told Darren Sproles to go to the Saints, too. All all at once. It just happened all at once. And uh, San Diego never really recovered from that. So, uh, that's going to do it for us. But final thoughts uh, from you, Teron, is uh, thank you for joining us this evening. No, no problem, man. It's always a pleasure. Our final thoughts, I think, you know, going into training camp, there's a lot of optimism. I think that, you know, things are looking up for the Eagles. So it's a really good situation for Philadelphia, for football in Philadelphia. So I'm excited about that. Get excited about Derek Barnett. I'm I'm telling you, get excited about Razul Douglas, too. I'm telling you, get excited about Doug Peterson. Those are the main three takeaways from from this thing. And, you know, the one name that I I didn't mention, and uh, I think we're going to learn real quick, Isaac Sayomal is going to be a fantastic guard if he gets that starting job. And I think if he doesn't, then the Eagles are in some serious trouble because third round pick, second year not getting that starting job. Got that, got that dog. In yeah, him. he really does, man. I mean, like, they've, they've put him basically everywhere. If he doesn't win that job, I would be shocked. So I want some people to get start uh, getting excited about that as well. So that's going to do it. Uh, once again, you can follow us at bgnradio.com. At BGN underscore radio on the Twitter.com and find us on Facebook uh, as well. Thanks for tuning in. Let's keep it right here. It's leading off with myself. We'll take you right up to uh, JJ, who's down at the park at 645, right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP.